0: This episode was recorded with a live audience, and we'd love to have you there for our next live audience shows.
1: Yeah, we've got two on the schedule for now, Sunday, January 15th at 4 p.m. at the Center for Inquiry in Los Angeles, and Saturday, February 11th at 7 p.m. at KPCC's Crawford Family Forum in Pasadena.
0: Our scheduled guests on January 15th are Jeopardy! champions and trivia geniuses from The Chase and Masterminds, Brad Rutter and Muffy Morocco. Our February 11th guests will be announced soon.
1: Tickets for both shows are pay what you wish and more info is available on our website at gofactorpod.com.
0: We'd love to see you there.
1: And now, here's Helen, but from before.
0: (laughs) Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong, and now from the Carl Sagan and Andrian Theater at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles. Here's our moderator, Jake Vince Stratton. Thank you so
1: much, everybody. Thank you, Helen Hong. Helen, nice to see you again. Very
0: nice to see you, Jakey.
1: Helen, I believe we have talked before about how I uh, am what they call a cheapskate,
0: mm-hmm. and I also the technical am, term. Yes,
1: and I also am what they call uh, an avid traveler. Right. And sometimes I need to combine them. Uh, For instance, when I travel, uh, my biggest pet peeve, I think, is having to pay what they would call a resort fee or a destination Uh, fee or a facilities fee, some sort of fee at a hotel. It drives me crazy. So uh, I recently just got back from a trip. I put the hotel on points, so already I'm ahead of the game, but they still wanted to charge me this destination fee. (sighs) And uh, I was like, all right, you're going to charge me 30 bucks. I want to know what I'm going to get for this 30 bucks a day. And they had a list. They had a little card that they gave saying this is what your resort fee gets you. Uh, and so I was determined to get every single thing on that list because I wanted to maximize this $30 I was going so to have to pay. So what were the things? Well, uh, there was a, a stand-up paddleboard lesson. It was raining. Um, there was a $25 off, $50 in the boutique in the lobby, which was closed, $10 off of wine, wine and drinks from the rooftop bar so we definitely used that. Of course. Yeah. It was raining. Yeah, and it was...
0: <laughs> i forgot. forgotten about were that, like, but no, it was. Yep. I, I, nope. just, you, you were getting rain on, and you were like, nope. I am getting these $10. That's,
1: that's right. And so then when I was checking out, uh, they gave me the, the bill of everything all, all added up, and it turns out they didn't charge me the resort fee. <laughs> so in a way, I came out way ahead, and in another way, I just bought a bunch of frou-frou drinks for no reason and got rain tone on the roof.
0: I feel like you should have a Polaroid of you getting poured on stand-up paddleboarding, holding a drink that you don't want. Yep. As a picture of your, like, this is my, this is how far I will cheapskate. I am sticking
1: it to the man. So, I'm looking forward to my next vacation, and um, we'll see we'll see what that entails. Resort
0: fees beware. We've,
1: yes, look out. I'm going to maximize my value, even if you don't charge me for it. <laughs> Alright, well today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first?
0: She is an actor known for her past work on Gilmore Girls, and That's So Raven, and for her current work on HBO's Hacks and Hulu's Reboot, it's
2: Rose Abdu. Rose Abdu. Hi, Rose. It's very nice to be here. Thank you. Wonderful to have you.
1: Rose, I was uh, doing some research to prepare for our time here together. You said that you got into acting because you didn't like waiting in line. That's very true. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Can you tell us about that? I went to
2: a very large university, Michigan State University Mm. in East Lansing, Michigan at the time, uh, 1980. 80. There were about 46,000 students, oh. and we used to register in the racquetball court. So we'd have to wait, and I wanted to be a newscaster, needed telecommunication classes, and the lines were very, very long. And I knew all my friends were going to lunch, and I did not <laughs> want to wait in line. So I would look over to the theater table, and there was no one waiting in line for theater <laughs> classes. And before I knew it, I had so many theater credits that I got I got a Master of Fine Arts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It mind. literally was the line of least resistance. It, was.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it really was. So it sort of, it sort of chose me you know, okay. the profession. But I was encouraged by my teachers in high school were like, you should, but I thought no one can, no one does that for a living. That's that's a hobby. Uh-huh. I mean, I didn't grow up with parents that were like, you know, you can't be in show business, but I don't have a show business family, mm-hmm. and I never thought, I want to be an actress. Yeah. But it just sort of happened.
1: On the show Reboot, you, of course, are playing a veteran writer. You've been on a lot of shows. Have you spent much time in writers' rooms?
2: You know, I got to spend time in the writers' room because I'm from Second City, Chicago. Mm-hmm. We wrote our own material at Second City, Chicago, and I was very fortunate to be in a cast with Chris Farley, Steve Colbert, Amy Sidaris. Really, really great people. And then I did Laughter on the 23rd Floor, the famous Neil Simon play, and I played a character named Carol Wyman, who was a combination of Lucille Callan and Selma Diamond. Mm. And when I saw this audition, it was Selma, and I thought it is a nod to Selma Diamond. I felt very familiar. I really felt like it came together in a way that I was very happy to do a television role based on a stage role that I had already done. Oh,
1: very cool. I hadn't even made that connection. I know who Selma Diamond was, but I didn't know that. That's amazing. It's kind
2: of the inspiration I took for her voice. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) Yes. Now, Josefina, the character that you play on Hacks, is so wonderful. It's such a wonderful show. It's interesting, though, because I guess technically she's a maid, and I know you had some resistance to playing a Latina maid, but you saw it in a different way. Tell us about that. I did. I
2: saw, and as soon as I read the script. I knew it was special. It was called the Untitled Gene Smart Project at the mm-hmm. time I auditioned and her name was Yanira. And the producers actually asked me if I'd like to change her name. So oh. I decided to name her Josefina and base her on a Dominican woman that I knew. And I felt as though she was the house manager. Mm. She is not just a maid. She's the <laughs> house manager. And I like that if you watch the show, I'm sitting on you know Deborah Vance's bed while she sorts clothes. Like we're very familiar with each other. Mm-hmm. So I hope in the third season we can explore how did it come to pass that this woman even got this job. I like to think that perhaps her husband owed a gambling debt, and that's how she. <laughs> <did it.
1: laughs> Backstory, kids. Maybe your husband
2: was in the mob or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Last thing I want to ask you about: you mentioned that you worked at Second City. I actually saw you in a production there. It was it was something about we made a Mesopotamia yes, or
2: I came up with that title. We made a Mesopotamia. Now you clean it up.
1: That's right. That's right. You got a lot of acclaim for the many roles that you had in that show. What do you remember most about that show? Was it me being in the audience one night?
2: It was. <laughs>
1: wow. Amazing.
2: I just remember we did a scene that was supposed to mimic the Chicago planetarium. Mm-hmm. And I did a character that I do called Betty based on a high school teacher. And she goes to the Buckingham Fountain. And oh, but when you're next to the fountain, if you stand there long enough, you have to pee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <That's
1: laughs> Very good. Well, it was so wonderful to see you then. It's even more wonderful to see you now. Rose Abdu, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> Helen, against whom will Rose be competing? He is
0: an actor, comedian, game show host, and political commentator whose Last Week on Earth podcast has been heard for over 11 years. It's Ben Glebe. Hello, Ben Glebe. <laughs>
1: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Wonderful to have you, Ben. You have an amazing comedy special out. Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Sure. I just dropped my second hour special. It's from Helium Comedy Studios. It's called The Mad King, and we dropped it on YouTube. My first special was on Showtime, but I wanted this special to be able to be seen by everybody, not behind a paywall, and also... Netflix wasn't knocking down my door, so mm. I figured YouTube, good option. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just very proud of it. I I think it's the best thing I've done as a stand-up, and the reviews have been fantastic. I've been getting a lot of really
1: nice feedback from it. Well, speaking of nice feedback, I saw a tweet that uh, was a really nice compliment. Kelly Carlin, who was a former expert on our show, she said something very nice about your special. That is very true.
3: Yeah, George Carlin's daughter is only offspring, and the reason I'm a comedian is George Carlin. Tweeted on the official George Carlin Twitter account mm. that... People need to check out my new special, The Mad King. It reminds her of elements of her dad's approach wow, to comedy. Wow,
1: that is really, you can't ask for better than Blue that, absolutely. Mind. Thank nice. you very
3: much. It did not skyrocket the views yet,
1: but they will. They're going to see the tweet. They're going to go back and they're going to It's going to be talking about the tweet on the podcast that is going to make the YouTube numbers go up. Did you hear the tweet he was talking about on that podcast? (laughs) I got to go watch that thing. I mean, tweets really are an aural medium. I mean, they are. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: You just wait for them to get into someone's ear, and then eventually, maybe something happens.
1: A lot of comedians, of course, were affected during the pandemic. Uh, You had a very novel way of handling it. Tell us about this online platform that you helped create.
3: I had no prospect to make any money to tour, nor did any of my colleagues and entertainment across the planet shut down for live entertainment venues and at a time when people needed it most. So I just kind of thought about it for a minute and I thought, how can we still tour and perform stand-up comedy without leaving our homes? Mm -hmm. And I just figured if you could open up, you could use a video conferencing platform and let the audience unmute themselves Mm. and turn their cameras on and then just produce it, hire producers and showroom managers to manage the sound to make it as real life as possible. And we created the world's first virtual comedy venue. We've done now almost 700 shows. Wow. We've had some of the biggest comedians from up-and-comers all the way to Bill Burr and Sarah Silverman and Mike Birbiglia and everybody did like many, many shows with us and were able to sell tickets and tour from their home. And we made it, New York Times has profiled us a few times. I only say that because I'm starting to get very competitive against Rose here. And she had a New York <laughs> Times thing. So, yeah, I'm very proud of it. You can get. You can, we're still doing virtual shows, less than
1: we were, but it's still alive. And we're building it back up at NowhereComedyClub.com. Very, very cool. Last thing I want to ask you about, uh, I saw in your bio that uh, you play kazoo. Yes. How serious of a kazoo player are you? I am pretty serious about it. Yeah. I'm not formally trained. <laughs> you, you did not go to the kazoo institute. So I did not.
3: No. no. One night, drunkenly, at a comedy club in Buffalo, New York, I saw a kazoo behind the bar, and I what? said, "Could I borrow that?" Mm-hmm. And they said, "Sure." And I didn't know how to make
1: sound.
0: That's come out not of very it. sanitary. Yeah, I was going to say
1: this must have been pre-pandemic. This is pre-pandemic. <laughs> yeah, okay,
3: yeah. And this is me drunk, not being aware of any go. smart decision making. And I'll be honest with you, grabbing someone else's kazoo is. One of the best decisions I made <laughs> when drunk on the road and uh, and I just I actually am like pretty darn good at it, okay. if I may say so myself, and i 've gotten to play with like great musicians on stage, yeah and I get to accompany them with a kazoo because I can pretty much make any sound, any melody out of it, any octave, and I can join them and sit in with musicians, I would never be qualified to do so. Be- because no one plays the kazoo there's very little competition. I like to say I'm the most famous kazoo player in the world only because there are
1: none yeah name Who, another one name yeah. one
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. just Excellent. the fact I that can. I claim it makes me the top of that yeah. list
1: wow well we've ended on a positive note so we have we're so happy that we have yeah Ben Glebe everybody All right, well, Ben and Rose, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you have some expertise. Rose, you said you know a lot about 1970s fashion items from Halston, Diane von Furstenberg, and Norma Kamali, the movie Goodfellas, and classic TV sitcom themes. Whereas, Ben, you said you know a lot about politics news from the last year, late-night L.A. spots, (laughs) and... Well-known TV theme songs and lyrics, 1950s to 1990s. Yeah. Oh Well, later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, It's Only a Question of Time. First up is Rose with It's Only a Question. Rose, your question
0: comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Carl Smith of Glendora, California. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to GoFactorPod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Carl. All right, Rose,
1: Carl asks, since you're recording this at the Center for Inquiry, while they both suggest that you're asking a question, what's the difference between enquire with an E and inquire with an I? Enquire and inquire.
2: Inquire means to ask a very in-depth question. Enquire mm-hmm. is a newspaper that's a rag <laughs> that Carol Burnett had to sue.
1: All right, we've got Rose's answer. We don't know yet if she's entirely correct. So, Ben, if you don't think she's got it just right, you can steal anything you'd like to change or add to that answer.
3: Enquire is to look into something. Enquire mm-hmm. uh, is to accumulate information sort of accidentally. To sort of accidentally, well, just to not, you know, yeah,
1: yep, okay, <laughs> finishing, finishing positive. All right, well, <laughs> inquiring minds want to know when this segment will end, and it's now. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judge's table
0: for the facts. Here are the facts: enquire, starting with an E, simply means to ask, inquire, starting with I, means you are asking in an official capacity. For example, when I was a teenager, my mom might enquire as to why I got home so late last night, but the police would inquire about why my car was parked diagonally and still running in the middle of the street in front of her house. Mm. They're both asking about the same thing, but the police inquiry seems much more scary than my mom's inquiry unless you know my mom.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you, Helen, for that ripped from the headlines example. That's right. Another example of the National Enquirer, as Rose referred to, is a publication that plays fast and loose with the facts. So here at the Center for Inquiry, they publish the Skeptical Enquirer, which strives to officially investigate scientific explanations of the paranormal and pseudoscience, like how my cats seem to psychically know how to bring in a live mouse into the house every time we have guests. <laughs> that is a true story as well. Helen, how did our guest do um
0: (laughs) (laughs) well both of you definitely didn't get inquire Mm -hmm. inquire rose you did say ask in depth Mm. i'll give you half a point half a point for
1: rose all right very nice all right up next in it's only a question of time is ben with time ben while they both are ways to suggest timekeeping in music what's the difference between the beat and the tempo the beat and the tempo Sure. The tempo is the
3: the pace of the music. Mm-hmm. And I say this as a seasoned kazoo player. <laughs> <laughs> the tempo is the pace of the music. The mm-hmm. beat is actually kept by the drum it is the audible syncopation of the song it's the audible beat of it that you can dance
1: to you can do that you can example. dance to correct all right you give it a 78 all right we've got ben's answer we don't know yet if he's entirely correct rose what do you think anything you want to add or change tempo
2: is something you use a metronome to measure okay and it's something that lizzo talks about effing it up to the tempo
1: mm. beat
2: is something that uh, the drummer the drum you need a drummer for the beat okay i have no idea <laughs> All right, But I tried
1: Well this segment is taking too much time And our audience is taking a beating Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges table for the facts
0: Here are the facts The beat is the number of rhythmic pulses In a measure on sheet music, the beats are indicated in the top number of a time signature, like the 3 in 3-4 three time, meaning that there are three beats or rhythmic pulses per measure. You can usually feel the beat in your body as you're listening to music as you nod your head or tap your foot or dance. It's the steady heartbeat of the music. Mm. The tempo is how fast that heartbeat is. In other words, how quickly those beats come. On sheet music, these words are often in Italian, like allegro or andante. Those words not only indicate the mood of a piece, but they also are a mathematical notation telling you how many beats should be in a minute. For example, allegro is 109 to 132 beats per minute and Andante is 73 to 77 beats per minute. And I thought it meant like how hard your pasta is. <laughs> but
2: clearly, I And I, was... I thought Allegro was an allergy medication. Yes, I mean, yeah. Well,
1: I'm supposed to say that's right, but uh, that refers to two things ago. By the way, that three four time that Helen mentioned is the time signature for a waltz, and that beat goes um-papa, um papa um papa. Now that stays consistent even if you adjust the tempo. Um papa um papa um papa um pa. If you do that too much, you could end up killing your waltzers. So please be careful. A public service <laughs> message from GoFact Yourself. Helen, how did our guest do? Mm.
0: I don't think either one of you got the beat, but Ben, you did say tempo is pace of the music.
3: Hmm? Hey, before you rule then, I also did say that beat is what you bop your head to and can dance to.
0: Yeah, you know what? Okay, I will give you uh, one point then, Ben, well, ben right. because you got half a point for saying tempo is pace of the music, and then you talked yourself into <laughs> half a point. All right. Sure, yeah. Awesome. One point for Ben. Very good.
3: I'm going to start talking myself up now because I was talking myself down so much in the the interview.
1: That's right. Or whining. Helen, what is our (laughs) score at the end of that exciting round? At
0: the end of that round, Rose Abdu has half a point and Ben Glebe has one point.
1: All right. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself.
2: My fellow graduates, for 500 episodes, my podcast, The JV Club with Janet Varney, has gathered story after story of all the
0: scandalous things we've done throughout our childhoods. Wait, what's happening? Stories like how Jamila Jamil survived a horrific house party and she was on crutches. Or how Hal Lublin learned a Shakespearean monologue in his pajamas. This is not the speech we approve. Without your love and life tragedies, there would be no podcast. In fact, I'll have an exclusive look at how Maggie Lawson's mom confronted her after a sneaky basement meetup with her crush. Spill the tea, JV. Security! Uh, uh, Listen to the JV Club with Janet Varney, Thursdays on Maximum Fun! Class of... Forever!
1: Happy New Year, Helen Hong.
0: Happy New Year, Jakey Van Stratton.
1: You know, my favorite way to celebrate the New Year is with delicious, high quality meat and seafood delivered to my door. That's right, that's a thing that I say to people. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm here to talk about Butcher Box, and Butcher Box is always in season. It's got 100% grass fed beef, free range organic chicken, pork raised crate free, and wild caught seafood that is sent straight to your door. Tell them more about Butcher Box, Helen.
0: Choose from a variety of box plants. Options from curated to customized and change your plan whenever you want. Boxes include recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and hacks so you can cook up mouthwatering meals.
1: You know, even if I haven't decided what I want for dinner until that day, I know that I can put some sauces or some herbs and spices on a chicken breast, put it in my little toaster oven, put it on broil, and it tastes like I'm eating chicken from a restaurant. That is what I love about Butcher Box. It's simple, but it's also convenient. It's great quality, great cost, great taste, and I kinda like their mission too. Hey, Helen, how about a call to action?
0: Get the New Year Bundle for free, plus $10 off when you sign up today.
1: New Year Bundle, that's a 14-ounce pork tenderloin, 2 pounds of ground turkey, and 4 top sirloin steaks free in your first box.
0: Sign up at ButcherBox.com GoFact and use code GoFact to claim this offer.
1: That's ButcherBox.com slash GoFact and using the code GoFact to claim this offer. And that's why we say... Thank, Thank you, Butcher,
0: Butcher Box. Box. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Rose Abdu and Ben Glebe. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratten. Thank you,
1: Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, Rose, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about 1970s fashion items from Halston, Diane von Furstenberg, and Norma Kamali, the movie Goodfellas, and classic TV sitcom themes. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what 1970s fashion items from Halston, I'm just going to say DVF, and Norma Kamali mean to you.
2: Well, I consider Halston the designer of a jumpsuit, mm-hmm. very nice trench coats, and DVF would be the rap, the iconic wrap dress. Sure. Norma Kamali was very famous for her knits. That what is. I love about it is the glamour and mm. the, when I was a young girl reading the National Enquirer. <laughs> so I was a young girl growing up in Detroit, just thinking that the glamorous world of New York was full of 1970s beautiful fashion they were always out at discotheques mm-hmm. and restaurants and jackie kennedy and i think that that was when i realized that i wanted to collect clothes and costume jewelry and my okay. mother is very fashionable is a very fashionable person she's 95. wow i find that when i audition i create the character first with the outfit oh
1: very interesting. Really? very important to
2: me and when i book a job i put the outfit in a special closet i call the robador I'm not sure why, with a little orange tag of which job. So now, when I go in there, I can look at the the rack of clothing and see is it your
1: old characters and is it my old characters. Very very cool. Oh. All right, moving on. Rose, you also said you know a lot about the movie Goodfellas.
2: So I actually love that movie, and I recently, well, in May, adopted a little dog from Pasadena Sally's Rescue, and. He, his, he came with the name Harley, and I didn't think it fit him. And I looked at him, and I thought, I remembered the classic scene that Martin Scorsese's mother plays Joe Pesci's mother in right. the movie. And she just looks at Henry Hill and says, what's the matter, Henry? You're so quiet. You don't talk much. You don't eat much. And, and so I named my dog Henry Hill.
1: Oh, very good. And then finally, Rose, you said you know a lot about classic TV sitcom themes.
2: Well, I just loved that girl and Bewitched and I Dream of Jeannie Mm -hmm. and Gilligan's Island and my sister and I would sing the theme songs. That was one of the things we loved about watching those shows. And I realized like, Shows today, the theme song was either in, just instrumental or mm-hmm. just very short. Right. There really aren't any theme songs with words. I think they just can't probably afford to do that with commercials and everything. Okay,
1: so that's the classic part is the, the one that, uh, that yes. did that.
2: I loved the theme songs that had words.
1: Well, to summarize, Rose, you said you know a lot about 1970s fashion items from Halston, Diane Von Furstenberg, and Norma Kamali, the movie Goodfellas, and classic TV sitcom themes. Today we're going to quiz you about classic TV sitcom themes. <laughs> ah. Uh, Now, did you like the shows as well or just the theme songs? I
2: loved the shows as well.
1: All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to list the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with an expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Ben, listen closely, because if Rose answers incorrectly, you can steal. Ben, by the way, how much do you know about classic TV sitcom themes? (laughs) I know, I know more than I do about topics I didn't suggest to you guys,
3: so, <laughs> so some amount.
1: Yeah, some amount. All right, well, yep. we'll, we'll see if Rose lets you in. Rose, here's question number one. One of the hallmarks of a classic TV sitcom theme is explaining the premise of the show and listing all of the main characters. Now, this wasn't exactly the case for the first season of one show, where two characters on an island are simply written off as and the rest before being identified in future seasons. What is this classic TV sitcom?
2: Gilligan's Island. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct
1: for the point. One of your favorites. How about that?
2: You even said island to make it easy, but I didn't need
1: you to. <laughs> That's a moment. Fun fact, you can sing the words to the 18th century Poem, rhyme of the ancient mariner to the tune of Gilligan's Island. A fun fact I discovered in ninth grade English. <laughs> All right, Rose, very good. Here's question number two. According to MeTV, Green Acres is the first sitcom ever to have its theme song sung by the lead actors. How does Eddie Albert physically emphasize the final two beats? We know they're beats now of the song on screen.
2: Bam, 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 with his pitchfork. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct (laughs) with his pitchfork on the ground. Very nice.
1: Uh, Fun fact, the final shot in the opening credits is a parody of the much-parodied painting American Gothic by Grant Wood, which hangs in the Art Institute of Chicago. All right, here's question number 3. The theme to "That Girl," which you happen to mention, started as an instrumental but later was sung with lyrics. Those lyrics are basically a list of delightful things that begins with diamonds, daisies, and that girl and continue with even more. But which of the following is not on that list? Is it sable, sunshine, Broadway, popcorn, or white wine? I don't think there's any
0: popcorn. Helen that is not correct. Oh, no, I'm terribly sorry. diamonds,
2: daisies, snowflakes, that girl. Chestnut, rainbow, springtime. It's that girl. She's all alone, but luckily for you. If you find a girl to love, only one girl to love, then she'll be. And then she waves to herself and winks with a little crown in the window. Mm-hmm. I don't remember popcorn.
1: man with a chance to steal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sable. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm sorry.
1: Uh, Sunshine. Sunshine Sunshine. was not in one of the things listed.
0: Yes.
2: Chestnuts, rainbow, springtime. You would think it would be. You would think, Uh yes.
1: Uh, Fun fact other things on that list, I don't know (laughs) if there are any left that you haven't mentioned, (laughs) include chestnuts, gingham, rainbows, springtime, snowflakes, and bluebirds.
2: All right. And her outfits were by the designer Cardinale.
1: Oh, bonus fun fact. And it sounds like when they went from no words to
3: words, they really overdid it. Yeah, they put a lot of words. They did to make up for a lot of lost time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they did.
1: <laughs> all right, here's question number four. You still have your two hints available. My Three Sons, Family Affair, and Richard Diamond, Private Detective, all had theme songs credited to what one named composer?
2: I would like my hint.
0: Helen, how about that first hint?
2: You add
0: one letter to the end of the band that had a hit with Whip It. Who's the band that had the hit Whip It? Add one letter.
1: They had red kind of Lego hats. Devo. Okay, so add a letter to add that. Add a letter. Devon. Helen?
0: That is not correct. No, Devos. I'm
1: terribly sorry. And oh, no, I'm sorry, only one guess per, per question.
0: Devote.
1: Ben with a chance to steal. Devore.
0: Helen, is it Devore? It is not oh, No, I'm terribly on.
2: sorry. Devote. Da, 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 da. I have no idea. Do you D- want to know? Of course. Yes,
1: it is Deval. Deval. Oh, my gosh. I can
2: see it right now. Yes. On the... Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, sorry, no point For there. one consonant, neither one of you. <laughs> <laughs> you would
1: British. think by sheer, by
0: sheer odds it's they would like eventually come to a live on it.
2: stage Wordle nightmare, <laughs> no,
0: nightmare. No,
1: no, no. <laughs> Fun fact, Duvall was the impenetrable pseudonym of Frank Duvall, who also, of course, composed The Brady Bunch. He also was seen frequently on screen in such classic sitcoms as I Dream of Genie, Gidget, Get Smart, The Jeffersons, and Different Strokes. All right, no point there. Let's see how you can do with question number five. You still have your your second hint available all in the family's classic theme included the often misheard line gee our old LaSalle ran great the LaSalle was a car manufactured from 1927 to 1940 by what division of General Motors I need my hint Helen
0: how about that second hint this car make used to have models named El Dorado and Fleetwood And still makes the popular
2: Escalade. That is the Cadillac. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice job with that hint. And I'm from Detroit, Michigan, so I should know that. Fun fact, the LaSalle brand
1: name was, of course, based on the name of French explorer René Robert Cavalier, CEO de LaSalle. Of
2: course.
1: Of course. Duh. Naturalement. (laughs) Uh, All right, Rose, you did pretty well in that, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster facts. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Who can turn the world on with her smile? Well, that's the famous opening line entitled to the theme song of the Mary Tyler Moore show, right? Wrong! <laughs> The song had a different title, and in the first season, it had a different first line until the song's songwriter and singer re-recorded it. So, for up to three points, what is the title of the Mary Tyler Moore show theme song, which is a lyric in the song? What was the opening line for the first season of the show? And who wrote and sang this song?
2: Oh, my God. Who can turn the world on with her smile? Who can Mm -hmm. take a nothing date, suddenly make it all seem worthwhile? It's you, girl, and you should know it. With Mm -hmm. each glance and every little movement, you show it. Love is all around. Love is all around. Love
1: is all around. All right. And then what was the original opening line in the first season of the show?
2: It wasn't who can turn the world on with her smile. It
1: was not. So therefore it was.
2: Is that also, it's still in the lyrics?
1: I'm not at liberty to say. Oh, boy. But it's not. (laughs)
2: It's.
1: (laughs) There's something similar in the lyrics, though. I will say that.
2: You're going to make it after all. You're
1: going to make it after all. Okay. And who was the singer-songwriter of that theme song? The Letterman. The Letterman. All right. Helen is taking note of your answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight via Zoom is a singer-songwriter whose long career includes many hits and who wrote and sang the theme song of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, it's Sonny Curtis. Sonny Curtis, you're joining us <laughs> via Curtis. Zoom.
1: See it on your screen up Hi, there. Hi, Sonny Curtis. Hello, Mr. Curtis, can you hear us?
4: I'm here. Hi. Hello. Hello.
1: Hello. Hi, everybody. Hello. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, before we talk about your wonderful music career, I was tickled to find out that this is your first ever Zoom. Yes, it is. It's wow. <laughs> first. Well, we're flattered and honored that you chose us to uh, connect with. Thank you so much for uh, learning all that. Before we talk about the Mary Tyler Moore show theme, my goodness, just to give a small fraction of your bona fides, you've written over 500 songs, have been recorded by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, Hank Williams Jr., Bing Crosby, the Everly Brothers, the Grateful Dead, Bruce Springsteen, The Clash, Green Day, Roy Orbison, and more. You wrote hits including Walk Right Back and I Fought the Law. You're an original member of Buddy Holly and the Crickets, and you were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wow. Not too shabby. That about
4: sums me up, I believe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about uh, your early career. Working with Buddy Holly as a member of the Crickets, you actually uh, got to know an Open for Elvis Presley. Tell us what that was like.
4: Oh uh, Well, uh, when we opened for Elvis Uh, he was not a big star Mm -hmm. he was just starting out in the on the Louisiana hayride in Shreveport, Louisiana and uh, we got to be friends with him because he was just another old boy yeah and uh, we kind of hung out with him and uh, got to be friends with him before too long he got too big for for all that (laughs) yeah
1: he got off that hayride huh (laughs) Obviously, we all know about the tragic uh, plane crash that Buddy Holly was in. And I understand that difficult time kind of led you to to writing I Fought the Law. Can you tell us about that?
4: I Fought the Law, I wrote in about 15 minutes. Wow. Of course, wow. it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at those lyrics and know. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to uh, thank that kid that wrote that song and because it has uh, been... Uh, doing well for me (laughs) (laughs) the younger
1: version of yourself yeah uh tell us about being inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame what was that like what did it mean to you
4: i got inducted in the rock and roll hall of fame with the crickets Mm -hmm. that was buddy holly's group and uh, we didn't actually go to the function Hmm. and but they came down to uh tennessee where i live and we had a, a functioned um at a place near here, they uh, gave us jackets and <laughs> a statue and all that sort of stuff. You know, it was a good deal. I sort of, I enjoyed being <laughs> inducted oh, into the rock and roll hall. Oh,
1: good. I'm <laughs> glad. You're, you're a very modest man, I can tell, but uh, I can see that big smile on your face when you talk about that.
0: I love that you were as excited about the jacket as you were about <laughs> swag. <laughs> Because free swag is like my, that's what I live for.
1: (laughs) Well, let's talk about the Mary Tyler Moore show theme. Uh, You wrote that especially for the show. How much did you know about the show before you wrote the song? Well,
4: I, of course, knew Mary Tyler Moore. I didn't know her personally, Mm -hmm. but uh, a friend of mine worked for the Williams and Price Agency. They managed Mary. He called me one morning about 11 o'clock. And he said, they're going to do a sitcom with Mary Tyler Moore, and we need a theme song. He came over at lunch in his lunch break and dropped off a little four-page format, which I wish I would have kept. (laughs) Uh, It said, you know, girl from um, Midwest gets jilted and moves to the big city of Minneapolis and gets a job at a newsroom and et cetera and rents an apartment she has a hard time affording and i honed in on that and i wrote how will you make it on your own Mm. this world is awfully big and girl this time you're all alone but it's time you started living it's time you started to let someone else do some giving I called him about two o'clock and I said, Who do I sing this to? <laughs> he said, To see James L. Brooks and Alan Burns, yes, mm-hmm. that produced it. And I sang it to them and they said, Hmm, sing that again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Always and, a good uh, sign.
4: James L. Brooks said, I want a, a cassette recorder. Remember, this was in
1: 1970.
4: Sure. He said, I want a cassette recorder to take that to Minneapolis with me this weekend. And I thought to myself, you know, I think I got a good chance of getting
1: this. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. If you remember, do you know where the line, who can turn the world on with her smile came from? It's such a lovely phrase.
4: Alan Burns called me, the executive producer of the show, and he said, Sonny, she's obviously made it. We have to change the lyrics this Mm. year to uh something more upbeat and i was out on the ocean fishing with a friend of mine from nashville and i got so sick so seasick you couldn't (laughs) believe it and i went down to my little cabin and man i uh, i lay there all day long just as sick as i could be and while i was there i wrote that Alan Burns requested it, this verse, and I wrote that verse. Who can turn the world on with her smile? Wow. Who can take a muthing day and make it all seem worthwhile,
1: et cetera.
0: Wow. You should get seasick more often.
1: <laughs> you mentioned that, of course, when you wrote the song, you knew who Mary Tyler Moore was, but you hadn't met her. Did you get a chance to meet her later on? Oh, yes. I met her a few times, and
4: what a lovely person she was, and she was always really nice to me as a matter of fact, she signed a sheet music to me, which I have right up there, which you can't see, yeah, but I have it right up there on my wall, and it says, uh thank you for your poetry." etc oh <laughs> yeah. it
1: really is poetic and it, it it's, it's so wonderful to talk with you about this well let's get to the oh. reason that uh, we brought you here as far as our game is concerned you heard the questions that we asked of Rose first we wanted to know uh, what is the actual title of the Mary Tyler Moore show theme song which is a lyric in the song Helen what did Rose say
0: Rose said love is all around
1: and Mr. Curtis yes love is all around love That'd... is all around that's a point for Rose <laughs> I very love good
2: you Mr. Curtis.
1: All right. Next, we wanted to know what was the original opening line in the first season of the Mary Tyler Moore Show theme song. Helen, what did Rose say?
0: Rose said, you're going to make it after all.
1: And uh, Mr. Curtis? No, that was... uh
4: How will you make
1: it on your own? How will you make it on your own? So, yeah, similar, but uh, not quite the right phrasing there. Uh, No point there. And finally, we wanted to know, who was it who sang and wrote the Mary Tyler Moore Show theme song? Helen, what did Rose say?
0: Rose said, The Letterman.
1: And uh, Mr. Curtis, was it The Letterman? No, I don't think so. (laughs) You don't think so? Who do you think it was? (laughs) I think it was myself. (laughs) I think it was as well. It was Sonny Curtis.
2: But I call him the Letterman. (laughs) Yes, that is is your
1: nickname for (laughs) Rose. (laughs) Rose, while we have Mr. Curtis here, is there anything you'd like to ask or say to him?
2: Mr. Curtis, thank you so much. That's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful theme song that my entire family enjoyed every Friday night or Saturday night when we watch Mary Tyler Moore. Thank you very, very much for that.
4: Well, thank you, Rose, and it's a pleasure to meet you.
1: Oh, love is all around, isn't it? Yes. Uh, Sonny Curtis, it was so wonderful that you joined us. If people want to find out more about you or your work, you've got a website people can go to
4: www.sonnycurtis.com.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining us, Sonny Curtis, everybody. Thank you. Helen, what is our score at the end of that exciting round? At the
0: end of that round, Rose Abdu has four and a half points and Ben Glebe has one point with a round of questions for Ben coming up.
1: That's right. We're going to talk with Ben about a topic he knows about. Plus later, Rose and Ben will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. Hey,
0: that's Ben. And that's Adam. And together we host a show called Greatest Trek on maximum fun that covers all of the new Star Trek shows. Lower Decks, Strange New Worlds, Picard, Prodigy, Discovery, and any other Star Trek show Paramount throws at us. Come check
5: it out for our funny and formative recaps of all the new stuff this Star Trek industrial complex churns out. It's in your podcatcher every Tuesday.
0: Subscribe to Greatest Trek. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the Greatest Generation. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Rose Abdu and Ben Glebe. Once again, here's Jake Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody.
1: All right, Van of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about politics news from the last year, late night LA spots, and well-known TV theme songs and lyrics, 1950s to 1990s. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what politics news from the last year means to you.
3: Well, the world is crumbling, and and things are changing fast, and I think it's important to stay up with it, and it's a big part of what my career, my comedy career has shifted into is in political commentary, so I'm just obsessed with it, and... I can't avoid it. (laughs) All right. You
1: can't (laughs) avoid it. Ben,
3: you also said you know a lot about late night LA spots. Been a night owl my whole life. Something I'm currently trying to correct for the last four <laughs> days. I've been less of a night owl. All right, but those places haven't closed in those four days. So, so
0: you mean like eating eat, eating eating spots, spots mostly? Yeah, open super late. Yep. Which, yeah, which aren't that many enough. There aren't that there are many. A lot fewer than it used to be. Yeah, That's what are correct. some of your favorites?
3: I've always loved swingers. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't been there in a long time, but Fred 62 is a cool spot. I love 25 degrees of the Roosevelt Hotel. Mm-hmm. Norms. I like all the Norms oh, restaurants. You, those don't are get key. me started on Norms.
1: Oh my we'll be gosh, here for a while. You're, you're
0: making me want. Yeah. pancakes. Yeah, let's go get pancakes, guys. We're going
1: to go get pancakes and burgers. And then finally, Ben, you said you know a lot about well-known TV theme songs and lyrics, 1950s to 1990s. I do. I mean, I I don't know if I know as much as Rose does after
3: seeing her do so well there, but one of my favorite memories growing up was on road trips with my family in the car and we would often play the 1950s and 1960s TV theme songs, audio cassette. And so I feel like I know lyrics to a lot of them, Mm -hmm. even though I haven't heard most of them in About thirty years, yeah. (laughs) But uh, let's hope that so
0: random. So your parents were just they got this one cassette that they were super into, and and they just played it on road trips, and you guys would all sing along. Yep. Because these are shows like shows I've never seen. Yeah. yeah. Like
3: (laughs) Petticoat Junction, I know the theme song too. I
0: never saw it.
1: A lot of random
3: shows. Yeah, that's a really good
1: point. Like we we listened to like show tunes, and you got to listen to TV themes. Yep. And uh, here we are. (laughs) That is correct. All right. Well, to summarize, Ben, you said you know a lot about politics news from the last year. Late night. LA spots, and well-known TV theme songs and lyrics 1950s to 1990s. Today we're going to quiz you about well-known TV theme songs and lyrics 1950s and 1990s. All right. Now, Ben, I have to ask, why not before 1950s?
3: (laughs) Did they have TV then? And
1: why not after 1990s?
3: I stopped watching TV then and just shifted to the news
1: stations around oh, then. So. Okay. Oh, okay. Not as, not as many catchy tunes that's in the news correct. stations.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> that's correct.
0: The Jake Tapper opening. Yeah, I that. probably right. could do
5: that, actually. <laughs> Let's uh, get into it.
1: All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of an expert in your topic. But before that, to give you a chance to show off your five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you also, of course, can get your two hints for these five questions. Now, Rose, do listen closely, because you can steal if Ben gets any wrong. Rose, by the way, how much do you know about well-known TV theme songs and lyrics, 1950s to 1990s?
2: Well, I thought I knew more before this show, but...
1: <laughs> I think you did great, and we're looking forward to more of your bonus fun facts. And I
3: think you made a great fan in The Letterman over there. Yeah, I think so
1: as well. All right, Ben, here's question number one for you. The Andy Griffith Show premiered in 1960 with a theme song not sung with lyrics, but not exactly an instrumental. How is the non-song, non-played melody of The Andy Griffith Show performed? I'm thinking. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: it was whistled, Ellen That is correct. That is correct. Very well
3: done and well performed. If like I had kazoo on me, that would have sounded better.
1: <laughs> Fun fact, Earl Hagen, the song's composer, which did, by the way, have lyrics, was the whistler. He also composed the themes to The Dick Van Dyke Show, Gomer Pyle, The Mod Squad, and That Girl with those diamonds, daisies, and many other things. By the way, we did an entire topic on The Andy Griffith Show on episode 18 of Go Fact Yourself. Alright, here's question number two. Composed in 1970 for a show that began in 1970, the theme song called Heavy Action didn't become the show's official theme until 1989. Now, you may not know the song from that title, but listen to this clip and we'll ask you your question. That apparently was the slow tempo version of that song. (laughs) What long-running sports program, which includes a day of the week in the title, does this theme accompany? Monday Night Football. Helen, That is correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. Fun fact, for the current season, the Heavy Action song has been remixed by artist Marshmello. Marshmello. Very sorry to hear that. Wow. Marshmello. Like, who
0: would have known that that song actually had a name and that the name was Heavy Action? Yep. Heavy
1: Action. Even bonus fun fact, it had been used many times in many different shows, including in the UK, before it was used on Monday <laughs> really? Night Football. Yes. Heavy Action got some Heavy Action. Wow. Oh. All right, Ben, here's question number three. You are two for two. The iconic Friends theme song debuted with the show in 1994 and has a series of quick hand claps. How many claps are there after the first line of the song? Oh, shoot. (laughs) (laughs) That was wrong. I'll tell you that much. Uh Oh, man. Eight? Helen, is it eight?
3: It
0: is not eight. No, I'm terribly sorry. Rose with a chance to
2: steal. I believe it's four.
1: Helen?
0: It is four. Congratulations. Successful steal from Rose. Oh.
1: You want to demonstrate it for us, Rose? There you yeah, go. That makes a
3: lot more sense than eight. What am I saying, eight? <laughs> yeah, It's almost impossible. The <laughs> tempo would have to be an allegro for that. Yo, very nice. Yeah, very wow. unlikely.
1: Somebody learned something from together. our show. <laughs> <laughs> How about circle, that? Full circle. Fun fact, wow. both Courtney Cox and Matt LeBlanc have said in TV interviews that it's five claps, but Phil Solem of the band The Rembrandt, who co-wrote and performed the song, says it's four, and if you listen to it, it is. It is four. It's
0: like...
1: Oh, or ah. that too. And yes. if
0: you listen
3: to it, it's definitely
0: nowhere near eight. What's yeah.
1: wrong with me? <laughs> I'm not oh, sure. I missed a friend's theme song. That's all right. Maybe Yeesh. you were thinking of the remix by Marshmallow. That's correct. Yeah. That's all correct. right, let's see if we can bounce back with this oh. one. Here's question number four. You do have your two hints available. <laughs> Henry Mancini was one of the most successful composers of the 20th century, and his many famous TV themes span from the 1950s to the 1990s. But which of these shows did not have a TV theme composed by Henry Mancini? Was it Peter Gunn, What's Happening, Magnum P.I., Newhart, or Tic-Tac-Doe? Can I have my hint, please? Helen, how about that
0: first hint? What's Happening is a theme song by Henry Mancini.
3: Great. (laughs) The answer, and I say this with great confidence for no reason at all, tic-tac-toe.
0: Ellen?
2: That is not correct. No,
1: I'm terribly Mm -hmm. sorry, but we always appreciate great confidence. Rose with a chance to steal.
2: I feel like it's Magnum P.I., Helen? That is correct. A oh! second successful
1: steal from Rose Aftu. Oh, 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 I'm hurt.
2: You know, I I'm had hurting. a crush on Henry Mancini as a child. Ah, as a child. I did. I did. Wow. We had a Mancini, Mary Mancini Christmas Christmas album, and yes. my sister loved Andy Williams. And just to be different, I decided I loved Henry Mancini.
3: Wow. So what was your goal? To learn the songs he didn't compose? You could just <laughs>
1: push at him if you ever met him? You were I trying know trying to things. him early.
2: I know things about him. <laughs> All
1: right. Fun fact, the version of Tic Tac Doe with Mancini's theme lasted just a few months in 1990. It is believed to be Henry Mancini's only work for a game show, as well as his final composition for television. All right, Ben, here's question number five. You do still have a hint available. With its theme song, Reading Rainbow invited kids to go twice as high as a butterfly in the sky. Which, frankly, does not seem that high. Uh, In the year 2000, the theme song was recorded by Shaka Khan. The original theme, though, used from 1983 to 1988, was sung by whom? I'd like the hint, please. Helen, how about that second hint?
0: Her first name is the same as Faye from 30 Rock. Her last name sounds like what I'd guess is the French word for fabric.
3: Tina. Okay.
0: Okay. Like, if you had to make up a French word for fabric, Mm -hmm. what would you guess?
3: Well, I don't want to say it out loud yet, because let me think for a moment. Okay. Tina
1: Fabrique. Ellen? That is correct. That is correct! (laughs) Thank you. Tina Fabrique. Fun fact, the actual French word for fabric is tissu. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, Ben, you did pretty well in that, but now here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing out an expert to discuss your response. Set a course for adventure, your mind on a new romance is the advice given in the Love Boat theme. But that advice didn't always sound the same because in its final season, the Love Boat had a new theme song singer. For up to three points, what two-time Grammy-winning crooner sang the theme for every season except for the final one? What six-time Grammy-winning R&B singer replaced him when she sang it for the final season? And what Oscar- and Grammy-winning composer, singer, and actor wrote the unforgettable lyrics to The Love Boat? Wow. Wow. So the first one was a Grammy-winning crooner, if that's of any help. And the second one uh, is a Grammy-winning, mostly known for R&B, but does other genres as well. Okay. And there's a lady, right? Okay. Um, the,
3: the 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 lady was Dionne Warwick. All right. Very strong voice. Mm-hmm. Expecting yeah. you, right. Dean Martin.
1: Dean Martin. All right. And then who is the Oscar and Grammy winning composer, singer, and actor who wrote the unforgettable lyrics to the Love Boat? The Letterman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this Letterman is
2: so talented. I'd like to steal, J. Keith. There are no steals I, in the Well, back, I'd like but to what, jump in. Okay. I believe the crooner was Jack Jones.
1: Okay.
2: I believe, Um, I will go with the Dion Warwick choice. Mm-hmm. And I don't know anything else. I was just all excited to know Jack Jones.
3: I'm going to go with Frank Sinatra because he's the only
1: actor-singer I know, but... Okay, Frank Sinatra. Yeah, I know it's not it, but all right. All right, well, nevertheless, Helen is taking note of your antros. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight?
0: Joining us tonight is an Oscar and Grammy-winning composer, singer, and actor whose many accomplishments include writing the lyrics to the theme from The Love Boat. It's Paul Williams. Oh, yeah. Paul Williams! Hello, Paul Williams.
2: Oh, Williams! How dare we not know? How dare we not know? I love you so much.
5: Below. I saw you at 54 Below. Oh, my God. With 54 Below. 54 Below. Yeah. Frank Sinatra.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you're often confused with Thanks Sinatra, Paul, yeah. so we'll talk about you that know, for sure. Knew,
5: I knew Frank, mm-hmm. and he recorded one of, a couple of my songs, but since he's passed away, we're much closer.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Well, before we get into talking about your work uh, for television, my goodness, just among the many, many hits that you've had include an old fashioned love song, You and Me Against the World, We've Only Just Begun, Rainy Days and Mondays, and The Rainbow Connection. Uh, you also received an Academy Award for Evergreen from A Star Is Born with Barbara Streisand.
5: You know, when you think about it, the beginnings of my career, like in the late 60s, I was an out-of-work actor. So uh, to, for my own amusement, I, I picked up a guitar and start, I couldn't play other people's songs. I became a, a chronic doodler. What was amazing is that, that that I'm actually in the chase playing the first little thing I ever doodled and all. And... and uh, I think I think that, that the fact that, that the beginnings of my career was the end mm. of just amazing, you know, like Sinatra, Pink, I had a song recorded by Bing Crosby, Elvis Presley. I mean, I, I, you know, Elvis, I had an album cut with Elvis, the smallest font they could find. Where do, where do I go from here? W and M, Paul Williams. <laughs> I wanted to race to my high school and go, now will you sleep with me? Look at that. <laughs>
1: you know, that that is why we
5: do what this do. You actually have won
1: three Grammy awards. Your latest is with kind of an unexpected pairing. Uh, you got a Grammy for work you did with Daft
5: Punk. It was spectacular to walk on the stage. I had never won the, the Grammy for Elma the year before, and I got a call from from you know it's I I, I they asked if I would, if we win, Paul, would you accept for us? And in my acceptance speech, I said that. Uh, you know, uh, I, when, when I was drinking, I used to see things that weren't there. But then I got sober, and two robots called me and asked me if I wanted to make a record. And, and just, you know, uh, Amazing! It was just—you know—it's just a stunning album. It's called Random Access Memories, mm-hmm. and and it's wonderful. these two incredible French, brilliant musicians and, and composers and lyricists. Uh, Called and, and they had they met at a in France where a movie that I had made that was not a hit anywhere else except France and Winnipeg, a movie called Phantom of the Paradise, they sure. loved, you know. So, thank you, you're the one who saw it in this country. Oh my god, yeah, we have a lot of
1: Winnipegian fans yeah. that we yeah. bring in.
5: <laughs>
0: France and Winnipeg are two, you know, exactly. yeah, they're, Winnipeg, yeah. and they're
5: so alike. They saw it supposedly like 20 times, and when they called and asked to, uh, to if I would, would consider working on the album, I wrote two songs mm-hmm. wrote the lyrics to two songs and then they asked me to sing one of them and uh, I mean it's it's just it's it's a stunning it's almost an homage to to what to the the, the way the records sounded when they were made by Stevie Wonder mm. it was a, a wonderful experience and the other thing it would that, that is meaningful to me about that night is that right before the last anou- or, uh, announcement of the last award there was this wonderful ceremony where they played One Love, and there were all these different you know combinations of people that, that were married. On mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, for the LGBTQ plus community and all, that was it, it was just a, a stunning moment. Love is all and, uh, around. Love I love keep is all saying around. it exactly. Yeah. But, you
1: know. that's a wonderful that's a wonderful moment to share.
5: Uh, Paul, you've uh, you stayed active writing during the pandemic. You actually wrote an entire musical. I did. It's called Fortunate Sons. We just had backers auditions in New York. You know, I've written several musicals that that have you know kind of kind of done okay. I and the very first I had a long collaborative experience and, and with the Muppets are part of my family. It's sure. like I have DNA in my you know I mean I have felt in my DNA and yeah. I just you know, <laughs> um, but the first thing i did with that I actually creatively worked on with with Jim Henson was something called Emma daughter's Jug band Christmas sure. which opened uh, at at the new Vic this last Christmas but Fortunate Sons is about something that I experienced and that is the the televised draft lottery mm. in nineteen sixty nine and I actually got under a hundred pounds to to not go to Vietnam I just wow. was like wait a minute people kept saying to me you know what you're little they're gonna make you a tunnel rat. and I was like I don't wanna be a tunnel rat. You know? <laughs> forgive me I couldn't help it it just didn't seem like a great way to live your life or oh, it I, ended, I, I think I
1: might have done the same thing yeah. um, well let's talk about uh, The Love Boat uh, the incredible lyrics that you wrote how was it that you came to write the lyrics for that song and you collaborated with Charles Fox
5: Charlie Fox I just went to his 60th wedding anniversary my three marriages combined don't come close to that. It's just, you know, uh, but uh, a dear friend and a wonderful... I mean, he wrote uh, fantastic... Killing Me Softly, he wrote. Mm-hmm. He wrote, I me mean, beyond the fact that he wrote Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, all these amazing theme songs and all. But Charlie had called me once before For a a movie called One on One, and to write the songs with Robbie Benson about a basketball player, I went. That's an insult to even ask me to write about a a basketball player. But we wrote those together, and he he called and he said they would like you to. You know, I mean, obviously, the uh, Aaron Spelling, you know, called. You know, my agent and Charlie called me, and he said there's a, a new series about a a cruise ship and I went really interesting we wrote the lyrics and because I had not really seen anything of it or with or with the the cast and all that that made it all work I mean they're mm-hmm. all I mean I and I acted on a bunch of them so I know what sweet people they were but when before that I I thought you know this is going to last five episodes you know so we called Jack Jones, and I think I actually said to Jack, "Jack, we're not sure this is going to do really well, mm-hmm. but would you sing it? If I'd known it was going to run first run eleven years, I would have sung it." I went, yeah. "What the hell? <laughs> you know, you know, put Jack's kids through college?" And, yeah. uh, what,
1: what do you remember about writing the actual lyrics or uh, any of the lyrics that came
5: to you, if, if you do? I'm a big believer that the words are already in the music. Mm. I'm moved by what I hear, and it takes me to places where you know. And what would I want if I was on the love, exciting, and you come aboard? Is there just a I mean, even even We've Only Just Begun, which was written for a, a commercial, a, a Crocker Bank commercial, you describe the process of what's what's on the page. They're getting married. We've only just begun to live. Mm-hmm. White Lace and Promises, now we're past that and on to the reception. <laughs> uh, it, it was just basically right down the line of, of, you know, and I'm a hopeless romantic. I've been writing codependent anthems my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> you know. uh, but, I've got uh, to find
1: love in this you know 10-day exactly, cruise or else. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> (laughs)
5: it also might be the only theme
3: song that has a hook to get people back for future episodes in it soon
5: we'll be taking another one (laughs) you're basically saying
3: there's gonna be more come
5: back (laughs) And it's also the form formally dating a, a saddest uh, line, that uh, love won't hurt anymore. But, oh, it's terrible. It's a so well, I could talk with
1: you about this stuff all night, but let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Ben. First, we wanted to know in that wonderful Love Boat theme song, what two-time Grammy-winning crooner sang the theme for every season except the final one? Helen, what did Ben say?
0: Ben said Dean Martin.
1: And what did Rose say?
0: Rose said Jack Jones.
1: And Paul, who was it? It was Jack Jones, It was Jack Jones. God bless him, yes. Yeah. Uh, really no point re- there for either of you, though, so look on the bright yeah. side there.
5: And the only thing I would add as an addendum to this is, is just as a way of thanks is that... Before anybody knew who I was And and uh, I hadn't had a hit yet Jack Jones was recording my songs oh, wonderful. He was always re- really supportive And God bless him, everybody loves and him And
1: what a great match for that song Yeah, I mean, the way he, he was he sang- Frank
5: Sinatra's favorite singer Oh
1: interesting, alright yeah. uh, Next we wanted to know what six time Grammy winning R&B singer Replaced that crooner When she sang it for the final season Helen, what did Ben say?
0: Ben said Dionne Warwick And Paul?
5: Absolutely, the voice of all the great uh, Hal David and Burt Bacharach. Songs. There you go. Is John
0: Warwick. Easy. a point there for Ben?
5: Uh, and finally, wanted to know what
1: Oscar and Grammy-winning composer, singer, and actor wrote those incredible, unforgettable lyrics to "The Love Boat." Helen, what did Ben say? Ben
0: said Frank Sinatra.
5: And no, it was me. Of it, was
0: Paul it was Williams. Paul Williams. Yes.
5: I would like to challenge that answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: ben, while we have Paul Williams here, anything you'd like to ask or say to him?
3: Yes, I just wanted to say. I mean, so many of your songs are so meaningful to me, but. I I randomly sometimes in this very weird virtual comedy show I do play Kermit the Frog and I often sing Rainbow Connection as Kermit.
5: I love that. So
3: I that song really is good. one of my favorites of all time. Thank so you so much. Th- thank you for singing that. And I'm just curious, is that one of your favorites? What Where do those lyrics come from? They're so was, magical.
5: I think they came from Jim. You know, Jim it just there. There is there is an energy about the man that is just, talk about the elegance of kindness with Sonny Curtis that was just key to working with. Jim Hansen. One of the things that, that happens when you get sober is you find your tribe. Mm-hmm. And there was a level of safety for me with that that I'd never really felt before. My connection with people was through my music but not really one-on-one and all. Well, I had a, a one-on-one connection with Jim Henson before I got sober that is that is almost exactly, when I, would, when I would be around the Muppet performers, it was almost the exact wonderful I'm home at last feeling that I got when I walked into a room full of alcoholics in recovery. Wow,
2: wow.
1: that is so lovely. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy to have you. People want to find out more about you or your work. Where can they do that?
5: Uh, you can reach me through the, the, the official Paul Williams uh, website all right well we're certainly
1: happy that we had the official paul williams here paul williams everybody thank you so much for joining us sir all right, Helen, what is our scores? we head into the final round? Ooh, at
0: the end of that round, Rose Abdu has six and a half points and Ben Glebe has five points.
1: Oh, very close game. But now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read ten statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Rose and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Rose, like Paul Williams, rapper Eminem was nominated for an Academy Award. True. Correct. Ben, like Paul Williams, rapper Eminem won an Academy Award. False. Incorrect. No, he won for Lose Yourself from 8 Mile. Rose, the song for which Eminem won the Academy Award includes the lyric Mom's Spaghetti. True. Correct. Ben, Eminem owns a restaurant called Mom's Spaghetti. True. Correct. Rose, despite being called Mom's Spaghetti, the restaurant does not serve spaghetti. False. Correct. Yeah, it really does. Ben, in fact, they serve a spaghetti sandwich. True. Correct. Yep. Rose, they also serve spaghetti with rabbit balls. False.
0: Incorrect. No,
1: I I wouldn't make that up. Ben, the spaghetti with rabbit balls is the most expensive item on the menu. That's true. Correct. $14. Rose, the spaghetti with rabbit balls is made with real rabbit. True. Incorrect. Ben, the spaghetti with rabbit balls is vegan. True. True. Correct. Rose, M&M is vegan. True.
0: Incorrect. Ah.
1: Ben, to be clear, I mean that you can't eat M&M if you're a vegan because he contains meat. (laughs) True. Correct. And finally, Rose, although you probably shouldn't eat M&M anyway. True. Correct. Wasn't expecting the hesitancy on Rose's part, but let's thank Van Gleave and Rose Abdu as Helen tabulates the final score. We're not going to count those last few. By the way, the rabbit balls at M&M's Mom's Spaghetti Restaurant are made from black beans, quinoa, and sweet Peppers. They are, in fact, vegan. All right, Helen, are you ready to announce the final score on today's episode? Oh,
0: my God. It was the closest game ever, Jay Keith. At the end of the game, Rose Abdu has nine and a half points, and Ben Gleave has nine points. Oh. Congratulations,
1: Rose God Abdu. God. You are the Facting <laughs> Champion on your sure fact yourself. What will you do with your championship?
2: Going to Disney World.
1: All right. Good luck with that.
0: Uh, We can't help you.
2: There's no no resort
1: fees.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Full circle, circle, of course. All
1: right. We want to give everyone here a chance to uh, promote anything they might like. Rose Abdu, where can people find you and what you're up
2: to? If you don't have Hulu, get Hulu Mm -hmm. so that you can stream Reboot, which is the new show with Paul Reiser, Rachel Bloom, Keegan-Michael Key, Judy Greer, Johnny Knoxville, Rose Abdu.
5: All
1: right, Rose Abdu right here. We're so happy this worked out to have you here. Rose Abdu, everyone. Thank you. Uh, Ben Glebe, where can people find you and what you're up to?
3: Uh, Please, if you would like, watch my new stand-up comedy special, The Mad King, on YouTube. You can just search for it, or you can find that and my video series for Rebel HQ for TYT and all the other things I do in my Lincoln bio at Ben Glebe on TikTok. Twitter, or Instagram, or BenGlebe.com.
1: All right, thanks so much for coming and being here, Ben Glebe, everybody. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky because my hosting
0: partner is Ms.
1: Helen Hong.
0: Yay! You can watch my comedy special. It's called Well (laughs) Hong, because I'm a a Uh grown-up. You can stream it anywhere except Netflix. <laughs> Thanks, agents. Mm-hmm. And you can follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong, because there's another Helen Hong, and we know she ain't funny.
1: She ain't funny, but this one is. She is funny, Helen Hong. Woo! Uh, and me, you can find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith, on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Rose Abdu, Ben Glebe, Sonny Curtis, Paul Williams, everybody here at the Center for Inquiry West, and thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night! Bye like what you hear come see us live it's happening again go to gofactorpod.com for schedule and tickets meanwhile please like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter and Instagram all at gofactorpod update our wiki at gofactorwiki.fandom.com and buy our t-shaped shirt at maxfunstore.com and give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform like Kurt Grossman did on CastBox he she or they said I love this show I especially love the times when the expert is as excited to meet the contestant as they are to meet the expert thanks Kurt Grossman I'm excited to meet a podcast platform called Castbox. Helen?
0: Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jake Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Carl Sagan and Andrian Theater at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher, associate producer and editor in America's Darling is Julian Burrell. Our live show engineer and audio magician is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Neediff. Quiz assistance provided by Leora Saul and Brian Phillips. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Added support from Christine Vallada and Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Mo Rocca, Sarah Curtis Graziano, Earl Lewis, Nancy Munoz, Bobby Hart, Ryan Long, and Jim Underdown, Alice Pine, and everyone at the Center for Inquiry. I've been Helen Hong! Let's go listen to
1: TV theme songs!
0: From the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, etc.
1: Rose, how
4: much for half a point?